This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Where's your innovation, huh? Sequels suck. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's all about money, boys! Here we go again. Hello, Master. It's been a while. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Fatigue. This is a show where you talk about film series, one canceled and then saved animated TV season at a time. I am your host, Gabe Green, and Clone Wars is coming back. Oh yeah, and there's James, James Hamrick, but uh, we don't care. Because Clone Wars is coming back, yeah, dude. I mean, I don't even care at this point. Oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, this, this episode right here was supposed to be us basically lamenting all that could have been. And, you know, four days before we're supposed to record, Dave Filoni goes up on stage and tells us we're getting more Clone Wars. And I'm honestly still processing that. And obviously that's really going to change the tone of what this episode was going to be, which, you know, was just sadness and doom and gloom. But now it's all going to be about hope because we are getting, you know, at least, you know, there's still a lot of stuff that we're that we're going to discuss that we will probably never see as a TV series. But at least... All of those burning, the big questions and disappointments that we were left with of a story that was so clearly unfinished is going to be, you know, somewhat resolved. We're going to get a true ending for these characters. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. it's So I remember looking at the headline almost in disbelief. Like you, you shared it in a group chat that we're in and yeah, I clicked on it. My phone was taking forever to load. And the whole time I was like, there's no way. This isn't what I think it is. I misread the message. Just There's just no <laughs> way. And then, you know, watching the trailer and everything, it's it just felt so weird. And I don't know. Like, it, I, it took me quite a few minutes to actually realize we're getting, like, fully canon released episodes of The Clone Wars again. And I, I think, I think my reaction to that was just proof of how much I care about this show, because you know since then we've gotten you know the Aquaman trailer, the Glass trailer, the Godzilla trailer, which I think is incredible, the Shazam, all of these great trailers, and yet I think the one that still affects me the most is the Clone Wars. I haven't felt this blown away by a piece of movie news since i heard that uh disney had bought lucasfilm and we're getting more star wars movies back in 2012 that's how big uh, obviously a lot of that is riding off the emotional high of just having spent the last month and a half diving in depth into the clone wars but still this is this is big (laughs) you know for 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 our segment of of the fandom i know a lot you know there's a lot of star wars fans who don't even care about clone wars i don't we don't talk about them but (laughs) They're not real fans. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, it, it's crazy. And you know, we aren't a news and rumors show. That's that's not what we are. We're we're about just you know discussing what we have. But there comes crazy times like this where <laughs> this very episode was about things where that that kind of sort of exists in the ether, but we never get to see. And now we have we're we're gonna see at least some of them. Um, so this is gonna be a bit of a, a very very unusual episode for us. Um. So I guess we might as well start and tell you tell you you know what what happened. I mean, if you're listening to a podcast about the Clone Wars, I'm guessing you probably have all this information. But hey, we're, we're thorough. 
So one of the uh, very odd and entirely unintentional our part, on our part coincidences about this show was that as we're going through the Clone Wars, it was the 10th anniversary of that series. Um, and it being the 10th anniversary, they were going to have a panel on Comic-Con. And so I, I went and watched the panel for someone's like grainy cell phone video. And for the for the entire part of the panel, it was it was a retrospective, you know, kind of what you'd expect, you know, all the cast together, everyone, you know, just warm feelings as they go over, you know, cool concept art, some of the things that could have been and talking about some little things that happened along the production, just, you know, one of those fun little uh, retrospectives. But then at the end, right, as they're about to leave, and you watching Dave Filoni knowing it's coming, the guy's just like squirming. <laughs> and I can't, I can't imagine how he had to feel knowing he was holding this bombshell back. And so, yeah, as they're about to walk off stage, that's one more thing. And the trailer plays and you have that, you know, a war left unfinished until now. And, mm. you know, I had seen this trailer about three times and I absolutely loved it. But watching that trailer, you know, with, with all the all those cast members on stage and hearing the crowd react, I I broke down and cried too, even though I had, I had seen it before. Yeah, I mean, the first time I watched the trailer... Because I, I could pull it up on my phone, but I was like, no, I need to save it and see it on my big TV. Because um, I think I was, yeah, I was at I don't work. Have yours during, old, man. <laughs> well, I was at work and I had already watched, like, I'd been watching a bunch of the trailer. Like, I had to use the restroom in the restroom stall, and I was just where I was watching all the Comic Con trailers. But I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I looked up all the stuff about it and everything, but I was like, I'm going to wait until I clock out and get home. And so I watched it, got goosebumps, got a little bit teary-eyed. And then it was like trailer reaction after trailer reaction. And then I I watched the Comic-Con panel, and you almost feel like you're there with them. Like, there's something just so, like, indescribably joyous about hearing that group of people losing it as soon as you see until now i mean it just erupts and i just wanted to get up and cheer with them and so yeah that was one of the greatest moments from comic-con ever yeah so what we know is that we will get 12 new episodes that i i'm not i don't know if it's official but will presumably be released on this new disney streaming service that has been uh been advertised for a while which i don't think anyone knows when that's actually coming like, was it, I think people are speculating by the end of the year. Uh, I think it's going to be the beginning of next year, actually. Um, and because I think that I'm pretty positive it was confirmed that that's where this is going to be released. Okay. And that this will be released kind of as like one of like the first thing. It'll be available like at the day of launch. Um, and so it almost sounds like they're holding back their streaming service until they can launch this with it. But that's speculation. So... We have we're, we're getting twelve episodes, and obviously there were two and a half seasons planned at least. We you know we knew we know they had plans up until the, the and we know what the finale of season eight would have led directly into Revenge of the Sith. So I'm assuming I'm assuming they would have ended at season eight, and we're only getting twelve episodes. That's, th- that's three arcs. So we know we're still there's still going to be a bunch of stuff that we're not going to well, well we can never say never obviously, but we, we probably won't see. We definitely won't be seeing with this new release that we're going to get to later on in this episode. Um, but what is confirmed with this will be the Bad Batch arc, which I'll talk about later, and the Siege of Mandalore. Uh, the two shots we saw, I, I know, are from those. And what's crazy is I had just, over the last few days, watched through the eight episodes that are available in the super you know, super rough animatics on StarWars.com. 
it was so cool seeing that the trailer when it opens up with that long shot following the uh the troop carrier as it goes into the hangar and flying and going through the hangar and stopping on Anakin. I had seen that just see that shot just like a day or two before it as you know a rough uh storyboarded animatic. <laughs> just seeing it, it was so crazy and surreal, you know, because I've been I've been thinking about that so much because I was gonna talk about it. And I was just seeing it fully realized as as it was supposed to be is, is just insane. And I I don't even know how we managed entirely by accident. And 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 this is you know having to delay episodes here and there and skip a week. We managed to have it right on the week that uh, this was coming out. It's just crazy. Yeah, and seeing this show because I hadn't seen the previous stuff yet. I was planning on watching through all of that for what this episode was originally going to be. And then that news came out and I'm like I'm I'm staying away from it now. I'm <laughs> going to experience it, you know, when it when it's released next year um unspoiled and everything. So even so just seeing the new animation, like this looks so gorgeous. Um yeah. the lighting the like the facial animation like they still stick with the same like proportions and everything but man it's it's pretty it's it's a pretty crazy leap from you know especially considering how much we praised seasons like five and six now this it's like again another jump yeah it's probably as big as a leap from like the, the movie to season six as this what what this is from season six it's it's so so much more. They've obviously had a lot of time and money to work on it to get it right. All right. So I, I think we're going to start moving on to what this what this episode was originally supposed to be. We were going to be going through all eight of those episodes. But now seeing as we know the Bad Batch is going to be released on this or at least some, some portion of the Bad Batch will be released on this new thing. And we know there's, you know, 12 episodes. That's four. That's a three arc. So I'm assuming Crystal Crest on Utapau will also be. Uh, one of those released, so we're we're just gonna skip it. We're, we're I'm gonna give you you know a brief rundown, but we're not gonna go piece by piece through them like we were originally planning, just for the sake of you know avoiding spoilers and hopefully having a more pure experience uh, when the new one comes out. Uh, so just to go, go through some of what we know about uh, what would have happened after the lost missions, we 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 know that there were uh, roughly uh, 13 arcs in total planned between the last missions and the in the season finale. Of the series finale. Um, so I'm just going to go over some of them that would have gotten. Uh, the first one would have been Crystal Crisis on Utapau. This would have been written by uh, Daniel Arkin. And you would have had Anakin and Obi-Wan going to Utapau to investigate the death, the death of a Jedi Master and then discover a massive uh, kyber crystal that arms dealers are trying to sell to the Separatists. And that that one would have been just a very one, one a very classic Star Wars and Clone Wars arc where you just have Anakin and Obi-Wan going off on their adventures together. We've when we talked about how the main characters were kind of missed in the, uh, especially later on, like in season six and the lost missions, you just, you don't, you don't get as much of that classic characters, character uh, interactions. And it was really cool seeing this, even though it's still super rough, it was really uh, refreshing to get back to that. And, I, and if we, if we do get it, I, I'm really excited to see it again. Yeah. It, you know, like we said, it seemed like they did a good job throughout um, recapturing their, their dynamic and banter that we saw in Revenge of the Sith, uh, Revenge of the Sith, most uh, specifically like the very beginning, uh, and it'd be cool to get another episode or arc like that leading right into it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just all fun and games. Like there were there were moments where they would like acknowledge Ahsoka and just they they did have some decent dramatic stuff as well. 
Nice. And and it'd be cool to see uh to get another chance to go to Utapau cuz I always thought that was a really cool looking planet that we saw too little of. Mhm. And it was kind of interesting like the uh Chris, the uh Kyber crystal thing which I they they took and reused that concept of the uh the the rebels trying to stop a giant Kyber crystal in the Rebels TV show. So that's my one uh kind of concern that they might not bring this back as part of those 12 episodes simply because they don't want to redo the Kyber crystal uh heist that they already did in Rebels. So we'll see how that happens. I, I still wouldn't mind seeing it again. The next arc that we have in the animatics is The Bad Batch. This one's written by Brett Friedman. And this one we know we're obviously we are getting at least some of it because we've seen one of the main characters in the uh, in the trailer. And this is about a team of Bad Batch clones who have like heightened abilities and specialties. Like there's a sniper, there's this gigantic Hulk-looking guy, uh, this uh, tracker, and the tech wizard. So it, it's 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 about that they would have would, you would have had them Rex and Anakin going off on these this kind of covert operations against the separatists. Um, I also watched this; it was pretty fun. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see those guys. And uh, it was cool that they're called Clone Force Ninety Nine after uh, our our favorite uncle clone from you know back in uh was it Clone Cadets. Oh man, it'll it's cool to see a season so far removed from that acknowledge it again. That'll be nice. Yeah, and there was a there's some really crazy emotional and dramatic developments that happen later on. Um, so the uh, another arc would have been Dark Disciple. This would have actually been two separate arcs, so eight episodes in total. Uh, it was written by Katie Lucas, and you would have had you know four episodes, then a couple other episodes, then another four episodes. And this would have covered Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss teaming up for a mission for the Jedi. This was adapted into a novel by Christy Goldman and released in uh, 2015, I think. And I've read it, and I have some pretty big quibbles with the climax, uh, but I think it's an excellent story overall. I think those quibbles could be, you know, completely done away with if it was, depending on how it was uh, adapted onto screen. And we leave Asa's Ventures pretty much kind of, she's completely hanging at the end of the Clone Wars. So it, it was really exciting to see that they actually had more plans for her. And this this arc has some really incredible dramatic stuff. And, and Quinlan Voss was a character he didn't get a lot to do in the, the one episode he was introduced in, but he was he did have there was there was obviously potential there. Yeah. So um, it's what, one of my issues with the potentiality of of like eight full seasons was that you know you can only cover so much amount of time in those three years. And and I was saying maybe it's a good thing it ended at six. But what I I guess I didn't really think about was to me like whatever disney says is canon is is canon in my mind whether we like it or not and so the dark disciple book is considered canon so that that problem i had about it just like extending that time i guess exists whether i like it or not um i know you're hoping for an adaptation one of and this may just be something very specific to me but to me, I don't really like the idea of adapting something already canon. Um, because to me, you know, if you're going to adapt a book into a TV show or vice... But nobody reads. <laughs> you'd be surprised, you know. I mean, I there's a huge reader base now for... You know, obviously there was a, a huge one for the EU. And I think that despite the schism that's kind of happening with Star Wars fans, I think there's still a big group of people out there who are consistently buying these books um and so to me it's like you know if if you adapt if one medium adapts it into another 
there's always going to be some sort of contradictions or, you know, this will be truncated for this. But we, we already have that with with our film novelizations. Yes. Okay, so those, those are the ones we can say, no, like, those ones are dumb. We don't need film novelizations. <laughs> uh, most pointless thing in the world to me. Uh, especially, okay, well, here's the thing. For me, because I've actually, I've looked into a lot of the additions that the film novelization of, like, The Last Jedi does. And it kind of makes some revelations that I'm not entirely sure are from Ryan Johnson. They sound much more like inferences from the writer of the book that I don't think line up with what Johnson was saying. And so to me, they cause their own potential problems. Anyways, moving away from the film novelizations, which I will admit I do not care for the idea. Here, these, these book adaptations of these stories do exist on their own. They're not an adaptation of anything produced. And to me, if, if you if you adapt it if if you adapt it for the Clone Wars, then it kind of eliminates the the novel from canon because, like I said, there's bound to and be that, that's fine by me because there's a lot of because uh, I have issues with how the canon how the, the novel handles some things that I think like because that diminishes the power of a, an incredibly powerful story by Katie Lucas. Yeah, you. I mean, it, I guess it'll be like kind of a, a case by case thing, which just typically i i'm more of you know like if it's already canon let it remain canon um you know we've already got that story out there let's let's do another one but that's that like i said that may just be very very specific to me okay uh so next one would have been darth maul and these are not in the specific order that they would have come out we don't have enough information to piece together exactly when each one would have been and where it would have been placed but the next one uh, I know of would have been Darth Maul, son of Dathomir. Um, and weirdly, I couldn't find who wrote the scripts for this online. It's really odd because it was then it was adapted into a comic by Jeremy Barlow. And this would have been a four episode arc that uh, picked up Darth Maul soon after we left him when he was, de- you know, we left him defeated by Sidious in Mandalore. And this uh, picked up after and showed just other things happening and, kind of him trying to gather the syndicates together and stuff like that. And this would have been a bridge basically between where we left him and Siege of Mandalore, which would have been the the series finale. Um, and the comic, I think, is pretty terrible. Just, like, the art is terrible. The writing is terrible. However, like, this, the story, like, looking at the story and knowing how it would have been told in the series, it's, it's pretty cool, kind of. So it's like, yeah, read it if you want to know just the facts but otherwise, it's not very good, unfortunately. And but still, same thing, same with Dark Disciple. I would really have loved to have seen this in the series. I so, I guess for for listeners, if you don't want to get this well, although I'm not going to really ask for spoilers. But what was what's the basic premise of this? Because that's something that I was always very interested in. You know, because we have Sidious saying we have further, or I have further use for you, and then we see him again in Rebels, and that's it. Okay, so, you know, spoiler. The next thirty seconds will be spoilers for. Uh, for Son of Dathomir, if you if you don't want to skip ahead. So you would have had Darth Maul escaping from Sidious and going to revive his uh, his criminal empire and basically going full, to full-scale war with the Confederacy and trying to resurrect uh, Mother Talzin. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I can give you more details? <laughs> no, uh, I'm good with that. So... I guess I can bring this up when we get to Siege of Mandalore, but you know. and I, I'm thinking they probably would have adapted at least a piece of it, maybe just in the opening uh, narration from Yalaren, 
because you know just to get from where he is where we left him to there so I'm, we might see a bits and pieces of this in those 12 episodes it's it's weird uh so i'm not actually reading son of dathomir uh i've i've read the first three issues of the just i think it's just called darth maul or star wars darth maul comic yeah so here this one is i haven't gotten to the end i don't they haven't really indicated exactly how long before the phantom menace this is uh it, it can't be too too long because you know uh, phantom menace is is 10 years prior to attack of the clones and the clone wars uh, exactly and you know this isn't really a spoiler because it happens pretty early on i guess skip 10 seconds if you care or whatever but uh cad bane and aura singh are in it as well and they're looking very much like themselves that we see in, i don't in clone wars. i think cad bane's immortal uh, could be true. We're gonna we're, we're gonna see him in, in the last Jedi. Is it the last Jedi? Episode nine. Oh, it'll look exactly the same. Wouldn't that be incredible? He's he's gonna kill Kylo. Here's the thing. I always talk about how much <laughs> I I don't think fan service should happen for the sake of fan service, especially if it undermines <laughs> you know thematic stuff. But in, if you want to just have Cad Bane walk into the space saloon Western style and just shoot Kylo or something, like let's do it because he's awesome. <laughs> But yeah. but it's just weird, you know, reading through this Darth Maul comic. I, you know, may, hopefully this isn't indicative of of all the comics because I've heard really good things about the the main Star Wars comic, just titled Star War, uh, yeah, Star Wars, as well as like the Darth Vader and I, I think Doctor Faz, not Phasma, uh, uh but Afra, Afra. Like I've heard really positive things about a lot of that. But the the Darth Maul one I'm reading as well is it's not particularly great, and there's some sentences that I I cannot fathom <laughs> they, they made it into print but uh anyways yeah at least we get a little bit more lore on on uh, mall and i yeah i think i think uh bringing on pablo hidalgo really brought the all the uh more not expanded universe but whatever the whole books and the interconnectedness of it all up a few notches yeah he he seems very much you know it seems like there's a in a lot of ways kathleen kennedy is the kevin feige of um star wars but at the same time i think a lot of what feige does also kind of falls onto hidalgo who i think is doing a pretty excellent job personally next arc would have been the bounty hunter arc written by matt mishnovitz and this would have been a four episode arc following cad bane boba fett and his uh, and boba fett's bounty syndicate you know are Singh, boss uh, and the you know the rest of them and it was been kind of uh inspired by the john wayne western the searchers fantastic and the bounty the ba- yeah, I haven't seen it, but I hear good things about it. The bounty hunters would have been hired to, to rescue a child who had been kidnapped by the Tuscan Raiders on Tatooine. And that sounds kind of amazing, especially if, if it had, they had uh, been kind of close to the tone that I hear The Searchers is in. Um, it could have been pretty cool. Uh, and there are, there, and for, for basically all of these, are, or a good about half of these arcs that I mentioned. Uh, there are story reels available on YouTube, like even more, even more rudimentary than the stuff we have for Utapau and the uh, and the Bad Batch. Like there's a there's a video on YouTube if you search like uh, Clone Wars story reels. There's like a 15 minute video that has story reels from from Dark Disciple, Son of Dathomir, uh, the Bounty Hunter arc, Ahsoka's Walkabout, and the Kashyyyk arc. Like all of those, you can find bits and pieces of uh, on YouTube and just all together in one video. It's pretty cool if you if you care. So yeah, this uh this would have been pretty cool. That would have been cool, like, because I I really like the bounty hunter specific episode we got in season four. Is it with uh with uh 
Ventress yeah. and all and the the train. I think I think that's four. Yeah. Yes, yeah, four. Next one would have been Ahsoka's walkabout, and obviously another four episode. All of these are four episode arcs. Uh, this would have followed her in the course on Underworld after her leaving the Jedi Order. Not a lot of details, but um, there would have been a possible romance and then entanglements with the Pike Syndicate, and could have been pretty cool. Like, part of me kind of loves that the last we see of her in Clone Wars is her walking away from the Jedi Order. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen now that we're going to get the Siege of Mandalore, but you know, there, there's something about you. Know, I don't know. Obviously, my thoughts might have changed if I see it, but it's just something about her just kind of being on her own after after such a dramatic finale for her character. Just kind of her doing her own things just feels a little weird to me. Maybe if, I would feel differently if I saw it, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I would watch this in a heartbeat if it was available, but I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like dying to see it, though. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's nice to me to have kind of like a consistent POV and... With her being gone and us not seeing her in season six, I feel like that that's kind of made to be Anakin, and it it works well to me for us not to see what she's been doing, and then to kind of like be have our jaw drop like Anakin whenever we see the trailer, and you know she says it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. It means as much to us as it does to him because, like him, we haven't seen her in so long, and so this is is a big deal made of this return as opposed to just kind of like. You know, like you, I would have watched this absolutely if available and quite possibly loved it just because I love the character and I think the show is absolutely amazing, especially at the point that we're at. Um, But I wonder how much it could have just not felt like this side story, just completely divorced from the war and and everything going on. And like the primary story with the uh, with what's going on with Anakin and and. um, yeah, just like the the actual Clone Wars, but I'm sure they'd have done amazing yeah. things. Because like her seeing like that, it's been a long, although that the shot you know where you're saying it's been a long while, Master could have been only written for uh, that trailer and for the new oh. series since we didn't get this. So I, I think that's probably the case, but I yeah. think that's of the two options. I think it's more powerful, you know, because I mean at this point before this reveal, their their next meeting would have been. So either Which way, whether, is crazy powerful. Yeah, and so whether this happens or like even even before this happens, we still are given this gap where we don't know what she's up to. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's only like a season gap, which it will soon be, or like a series gap, uh, I, I just think it's more powerful and more effective to not know what she's been doing and then to see this return. Um, yeah, but that's just me. Although. It's Ahsoka. I would watch it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'd love it. <laughs> uh, next arc would have been the Kashyyyk arc. This would have had, uh, it would have gone back to Kashyyyk and established Yoda, uh, Yoda's relationship with the Wookiees. And it would, you would have had uh, the Bad Batch returning and they would have had a large part. And it would have been about them fighting off an attack from Trandoshan slavers. We don't go to Kashyyyk in the Clone Wars series, which just feels weird. Yeah. You, you think of, con- uh, considering how to me like completely epic it was in revenge of the sith um i think that'd be one of the planets they they would want to kind of like delve deeper into which i guess it was you know as we got here next arc would have been what they described it as a top gun homage this would have been a four episode arc following rex and r2 uh so it would have started 
uh, with an argument between the ground troops and the pilot, the clone, the clone ground troops, and the clone pilots, and would have resulted in R2 and X flying uh, against the pilots in some kind of Top Gun-ish, uh, I guess, competition. I, I've never seen Top Gun, unfortunately, so I, I can't say exactly how that would have fit in. Uh, but it w- it, then they would have ended up stranded on Ryloth, and they say it would have taken a very dark turn. So, interesting. I mean, the, I don't know, part of me feels like going to Top Gun homage after what happened in season five and season six feels a little uh, incongruous, but uh, this show has done crazier things. Yeah. And I mean, if it does get darker after the crash, you know, that's pretty... <laughs> Dark is very consistent with the most recent clone-centric arcs. Um, so maybe you can find a way to kind of kind of get yourself some Top Gun-esque things happening while, while maintaining tonal continuity. I feel the need. The need for speed. See, that enough warrants yeah. it, though. We need to hear Yeah, that. and uh, supposedly uh, D-Squad would have returned as well, which I, I, could, I could stomach them in a, a supporting role. Next arc would have been Return to the Jedi. This one would have uh, this one would have had Ahsoka discovering a threat uh, to the Jedi buried, but wait, like deep beneath the Jedi Temple. There would have been like a Sith shrine and holocrons, and she, Obi Wan, and Anakin would have gone like into the bowels underneath the temple to investigate. And apparently, there would have been some kind of force confrontation between Ahsoka and Sidious. This one sounds very weird and kind of intriguing. Probably would have gotten a lot of lore, like uh, force lore as well. Yeah, I'm really, really torn about everything I've read about this because I'm not sure it would have been so smart. This is kind of similar to my my issues with just having that Ahsoka-centric arc, but at least with that, you don't reunite her with Anakin. It would almost it would almost feel weird, and maybe like it would it would undermine season five's ending to part them in such a dramatic and heartbreaking way with that just incredible last shot of her walking off through uh walking down the steps and then reunite them you know, like a season or two later um although i'm sure there would be there's you know there's plenty of room for some really interesting dialogue between the two at that point um but I don't know, it, there's yeah i i guess it, it just it would feel really weird to have this dramatic send off and then here we are because you know, considering how late in the war season five is, it can't really be that long of a passage of time between season five and wherever we're Jedi's at. Jedi's lead a busy life, man. It's true. Well, I guess we're we're facing the exact same problem with season uh, seven coming up when she says, you know, it's been a while. And you just think, how? I mean, a, a couple months? You know, because season six <laughs> must be pretty close to Revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah, time is relative in TV shows, man. <laughs> it, it, I'm sure it would have been really cool, and like you said, you know, with all the there, there, surely we would have gotten some lore stuff with her going up against Sidious, and yeah, I wonder if in some form, book or if they decide to keep the Clone Wars going even beyond seven, if we'll ever see this. I have a feeling some of this was adapted into stuff we see within up uh, in Rebels. Because there's a lot of Sith Temple and Holocron stuff in Rebels as well, so I'm like, I, like I have a feeling a lot of these ideas, like there had to have been a lot of ideas that Filoni wanted to do that he brought over to Rebels. Next, I'm not sure this is actually ever going to be an episode, but this is just an idea without there would have been one that showed Ahsoka as a child before she was uh, taken by the Jedi. Would have had Plo Koon 
would have shown how Plo Koon first found Ahsoka. And there would have been like this really beautiful slaver who's pretending to be a Jedi. And then you would have Plo Koon who looks like this scary monster kind of come. So I'm, I'm guessing it would have just been a single episode, but they weren't doing single episodes at that time. So I, I wonder if it's just an idea they had for early on that never got adapted. But that's an idea that's around. Um, I'm, I'm always up for a Plo Koon. So, yeah. Yeah. That almost sounds like something that I, I'm almost surprised if they had that idea. Like, I'm kind of surprised that's not already been adapted as a comic or something. Because I feel like that would be super easy to just kind of translate to that medium. Yeah. Although I don't, we don't have flashback episodes in the Clone Wars. Like we did a lot of like single bottle episodes in with season one through three. Although this could have been cool if it was the first time we saw Ahsoka after she left the Jedi Order. If just like we're going in for another other thing, we're seeing her going to the Jedi Order. That, that would have been, and then moving into oh. Ahsoka's walkabout after that. That would have been a gut punch yes i love pain <laughs> next one would have been uh the introduction of the yuzong vong into the the uh canon and i've never read any of the eu books that have the yuzong vong i know that they're basically in in the eu before uh disney bought star wars they were uh an alien race that was from outside the galaxy they they came in as this completely foreign threat and you know tried to conquer the galaxy and they killed shabaka actually so they're tough <laughs> Pablo Hidalgo described it as a, it would have been an alien abduction story like X-Files and kind of uh, just really kind of creepy that 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 sort of uh, vein of story it wouldn't have been the full Yuzong Vong invasion and all that um, this like well I think the stories I've heard like I, I've read about the stories they sound kind of dumb however the idea of the Yuzong Vong has always fascinated me like where can you go after like you know the Galactic Empire threats and you know the First Order it would have been cool if they did something completely different, like a threat from outside the galaxy. Like that, that kind of idea I find fascinating. Like it, it would obviously all depend on execution, but I kind of, I think it would be cool if like one of the trilogies after after we finish the first order, instead of having that same rebellion versus empire thing, if they do it, we're just far to left field with something like this. It would be cool. But uh, next one would have been Return to Moncala. Uh, this would have had Anakin and Padme returning to Moncala, and we would have gotten to see Lee Char as king. And from what I hear, it would have been like very highly uh, political, which, yay, Clone Wars politics. And uh, I'd be great to see Lee Char again. Yeah, I, I liked him as a character a lot. And especially, you know, I think Clone Wars has always handled politics pretty well. And you know, at the point of the series that we were at with season six, I think it could have really handled it, you know, pretty cool. And and I, you know, while while I think you know, the arc we got there before was a bit bloated, but I think we really focused less on just like consistent battles and and the politics because it really was intriguing. Where you've got these two different races living there, and you pretty much have one exerting, you know, it, it's it's portrayed as you know benevolent control, but you've got the um, the Mon Calamari like as the ruling species. Um, even though, you know, they come together by the end of that arc, it would have been cool to see to and to explore what the politics there look, because I'm sure there'd still be a little bit of, you know, political unrest and some unease. Um, so yeah, that would have been neat to see. Yeah. Next. And then the, uh, the last episode we know about and the series finale would have been the siege of Mandalore. Obviously this, th this is going to be what we're going to get in the new arc in the new up, the new 12 episodes. This one would have had Ahsoka, Anakin, Rex, and Bo-Katan, and probably a bunch of other characters teaming up against Darth Maul on Mandalore. And it would have, but from what I hear, it would have been huge and crazy epic. I mean, if, if, I'm assuming if it was a series finale, they would have 
really gone out all out. Uh, the Ahsoka novel written by E.K. Johnson actually references pretty specifically moments from this arc, uh, including how it ends. So I'm, if you, if you, if you plan to read this, this, uh, this book, and I do recommend it. It's, it's a solid little book kind of shows how she got from, uh, Clone Wars to Rebels. Uh, it's, it's well, well worth reading. However, it does mention some very specific things about the, how Siege of Mandalore resolves. So I would suggest holding off on reading it until, uh, uh, this next season comes out. This, you know, I, I'm super excited for the Bad Batch. Like, give me more clones. I'm always excited. And then, you know, the Utapau one sounds like huge amounts of fun. But, I mean, this is the one I'm most looking forward to. Uh, we spent like, the, the four-episode arc over the Mandalore plot in Season 5 was so good to me. Um, it was so interesting the idea of having like this crime syndicate with Maul almost mirroring what Sidious is doing and like with the with the Federation and to see that l- such a huge plot left mostly unresolved was really disappointing you know even beyond just Maul as a character this whole plot that what what happens to um man what is it that he calls uh the union of all of the different syndicates uh the black no not the black sun black sun was the uh, shadow the, oh the shadow sun. collective yes um and to so to pretty much see the shadow collective left up in the air isn't um i always forget his name but the the ruler of mandalore as it stands by the end of the series is the the corrupt Ch- guy uh premier some i forget it oh almic yeah, uh, you know, canonically, he is who is left in power by the end of the series. Um, yeah, he's a politician. He could he could handle it. That's true. But I I feel like that was not what was meant to happen. I, I don't <laughs> think it was ever re- you know intention. Although you you know a lot of specifics, so maybe it is. Maybe something crazy happens and he somehow remains in power. I think he's a weasel enough. He could manage it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but it's it still, it feels like the, from a storytelling perspective, it does not feel as if Filoni wanted that to be the ultimate fate of Mandalore in this series. And so to see this whole arc finished has me really excited. Um, and, you know, with the Pike Syndicate. So, I, you know, if you haven't seen Solo, spoilers. Um, but I have... A, a strong feeling that uh, because of what's been made canon since the writing of this arc and since the cancellation of Clone Wars, we are going to see some setup for like the Crimson Dawn and stuff here. Um, hmm. There's there's a good ten fifteen years in between. Um, actually, no, between Solo, I guess we've about ten years between Solo and this. From, yeah. I, I don't I don't think we're gonna get Crimson Dawn in, in the new episodes. Well you just That's my inside bubble. information. <laughs> uh well if you've done your research for this episode <laughs> You know, it's just, you know, things reading about thing things I read about solo, especially after the fact, with Filoni actually having certain levels of input. I'm sure you know, because well, of they, they had to have because that's 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 a purely clone word. Yeah, story. with with Maul. But Knowing so the early scripts of Solo had the reveal, it it only said 
um, Star Wars Lego or legacy character that will blow fans' minds placeholder. <laughs> they didn't know who it was going to be. Um, they just knew they wanted to have a reveal. I, I feel you know a lot of these decisions are made pretty far in advance. Like th- this wasn't a Ron Howard. Like Ron Howard's probably not enough of a nerd to know that Maul's still alive. So obviously, we, like what from what I heard in, in an interview with him was that he just kind of like, all right, who do we have? And I think I'm pretty sure it's Pablo Hidalgo who suggested Darth Maul. It makes me wonder if you know at the during the time where that decision was made, where let's make it Maul, if they also knew that oh, we're also going to be reviving the Clone Wars. It would have been pretty close. You're yeah. talking like mo- mo- months at most, months apart at most. Yeah, so to me, it just like it wouldn't sur- surprise me. You know, you make this reveal in Solo, and you really excite fans. It wouldn't surprise me if, in some way, they retroactively tweak what happens in mm. this last arc. Oh, okay, yeah. When I said it wouldn't, I, w- I was thinking entirely about what would have been, but now, obviously. There's been a lot of changes over the last, you know, five years since it was canceled. So I'm sure they will adapt. They, they have adapted what was the original stories a lot to fit the, this new era of where we are in, in the canon. So maybe. And I just want to thank that because it sounds really cool. <laughs> and I want to see how some sort of hint about the Crimson Dawn. All right. Um. So going in, we didn't talk about the legacy of the clone wars in the last episode and i'm kind of glad we didn't because the the entire aspect of what the clone wars legacy is is fundamentally different now than it was five days ago you know five days ago it would have been was this great show canceled too soon with like so much potential and now looking at it knowing that that we are going to get finality we're going to get resolution and we're going to get just more clone wars i don't even know what like how to define this this uh show's legacy because it's its legacy is not done and who knows if, if i mean this could be entirely wishful thinking by part but i don't think it is if like this new these 12 new episodes are a huge hit there are a lot of scripts out there they could go back and adapt and that would be, be kind of wonky storytelling be kind of jumping all over the place but i mean stranger things have happened uh so i i really don't like I really don't know what to say when talking about this thing's legacy because just everything has been turned on its head since when I was originally writing the notes for this episode. Yeah, I you know I guess just talking about legacy specific to to where we're at now and where we were at five five days ago, I think the reaction <laughs> to this news is proof of of so much of what its legacy is because this is it seems like this has kind of united the the two fractions of the fan base that have been at odds with each other because you know whether you hate you know disney and last jedi specifically or, or, or whatever it seems like there's a just a lot of crossover with clone wars love between the two uh portions and you know that, i think that just speaks to how beloved this show was and so you know the legacy of the show five days ago is exactly what you were saying it's it's this really fantastic show that proved itself over the course of six seasons, garnered a huge following that was very vocal in its um, sorrow over the cancellation. And, you know, I think it started as if, you know, the first couple seasons maybe, the general idea was don't worry about it. You know, it's this technically canon, but it doesn't matter. So I think at this point, you know, there's huge pushes of the fan base that 
view like the level of canon this show enjoys is on you know on par with the films and and you know I'm we mm. are those two kind of fans where it's like this is movie level for us you know this is integral to Star Wars and I'm going to take it a step further Pablo Hidalgo and whoever else is with him in charge of keeping canon this is movie level for him and you can tell just I, I've I've been over the last you know few months pouring myself into the into the new canon. And I, you know, I've read about a half dozen novels. I want to read more. And they are constantly, even just offhand, quote, uh, you know, going back and citing things from the Clone Wars. And, you know, obviously the very fact that they brought Darth Maul, who it, for, as far as film canon was concerned, was dead back just, just like that with a wave of the hand in Solo shows that they are completely committed to making this as integral a part and, and the fact is it is as integral a part to the to, to the star wars because this is lucas this is lucas you know complete he is at the top and almost every single story in this show or at least either originated with him and most of them did because like you watch the special features they were all of them all the stories behind the scenes started with well lucas came in one day and says why don't we tell this kind of story so th- this is this is this series is lucas and even if a story did not originate with him it all had to channel through him he watched every episode in, in its animatic form to give final uh approval and and there's this quote from uh, pablo hidalgo is the importance of clone of the the importance of clone wars cannot be understated it is the last huge expansions of, of star wars that came from george lucas like this and the prequels was where lucas completely unfettered and you know, for better for better and worse uh from other creators like you know the, the original trilogy was very much shaped by kasdan and kirshner as well and, and a bit by mark wand as well this was him he was the final everything came to him and he originated a lot of the ideas and he had and most importantly you know he had time to mull it over you know 30 years to mull his ideas over and give us this very consistent coherent idea of what Star Wars is, and some of it, and that's the reason some of it does seem to sort of clash a little bit with the original trilogy, because he had time to mull it over, he had time to, you know, move past just this Campbellian Campbellian story into some, this entirely coherent universe, and so I think Pablo Hidalgo views it as that, this is like, this is kind of like the Bible from from George Lucas about how the uh, series has is to be uh, viewed, and like this is where we get the definitive explanations of the of the force that we saw in Yoda's th- mission, or you know the, the definitive version of Palpatine and how he his politics, and you know the definitive version of the corruption of the Jedi. All of that, while hinted at very heavily and sometimes shown outright in the prequels, is explored here. Um, so for me, this is kind of the most important text. Obviously, I, 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 I the films are very definitely there, but the amount of depth we are given in the clone wars is completely unparalleled in any other, maybe the book I can't speak too much of the books, but it's like completely unparalleled in any other cinematic uh, form in star Wars. So, and, and you see that. And I think that kind of influenced even, I don't know. I'm not sure if Johnson watched the clone Wars. I would, would I would not be surprised at all if I knew he had, because the things he does in, um in the last Jedi, the things be like, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. This is like undermining star Wars. Me as a fan of Clone Wars, I'm like, yeah. What, did, did we already know all this? So, um, I, I've been rambling, but I think there, there's the, the just the vast amount of material and the depth which, which with which we are given in this series is makes it one of the most important texts in Star Wars that we have. 
Yeah, I remember you made a statement like between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy was the more definitive version of what Lucas saw in this series. You know, like you said, Kirshner, Marquand, Kasdan, they brought huge amounts of what we know as Star Wars to those stories. Whereas this, this is, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing. No, not, not at all. You know, I mean, they, they brought fantastic things and I, you know, they, they really brought all their skills there. And I I think we benefited from it. But, you know, if, if we look at the prequels as if it's the most definitive version of Star Wars, I think you can like pretty much, you just, you know, completely uh, elaborated on, we can bring that a step further for Clone Wars. You know, if the prequel trilogy was, his attempt at creating this trilogy of what truly is Star Wars, he was given five years, you know, five years of just consistent seasons to elaborate on what was already his elaboration. Because, you know, the prequels were an elaboration on the history that we we knew was was there in the original trilogy but never saw. Now, this is a further elaboration on that. And so, yeah, this this is integral. And And what I love is that this really does seem to be embraced now. the The fans really gather around this show and love it. And you know, I, I think with the Force Awakens at the at the outset, Disney may have been a little bit uneasy with the prequels as they were testing their waters. You know, first getting into it, the Force oh, Awakens yeah. is very much in you know, with really no aside from a, a line about the clones, which I thought was pretty awesome, or a balance uh, from a from Max von Sydow who says balance which is a prequel that's edition. true uh, it, it um, but other like, than that they might not exist they might as well not exist yeah it's it's very much we are continuing the original trilogy even the visuals it's infinitely more in line with the original trilogy than the prequels but what I think they've seen I think they they overestimated how much of a hold this prequel hating idea and sentiment has on the general population you know you've got Pat Oswalt and comedians like him who have their like consistent routines where they just talk about how awful the prequels are but I think the general fandom loves it much much more than they anticipated and I think you can visually see that with you know because you didn't really see a whole lot of it in, in Rogue One either but with, with Last Jedi with him elaborating on the flaws of the Jedi Order to to actually like pretty much giving a short summary of what the prequels are which you know the Jedi allowed for the rise of Darth Sidious, who he's never referred to in the original trilogy as that, um, and and the creation of the Empire. You know, that's a brief summary of the prequels. And then again with Solo and bringing in Darth Maul, and you can see his robotic legs there, and the lightsaber he pulls out is his lightsaber from Rebels. It's it's just this complete canon embrace of everything this these shows are, and I could not be happier. And even more than that, it's getting beyond that very simple three act structure that the uh, you know it's the three act hero's journey structure that was in the original trilogy that is beautiful and amazing and I love it for it, but allow you know giving Luke those deep flaws and you know making you know having giving him failures giving him character flaws that he has to move on. It's he, I think that the 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 the, the the maturity of the ideas in the prequels, like not not necessarily all the execution, but the maturity of the ideas in the prequels, I think gives so much license for you know ever expanding ideas and concepts in the Star Wars canon. I think Johnson took advantage of that. Like 
I, I, Force Awakens is my second favorite Star Wars film. So this is no knock to it. The Force Awakens isn't as, you know, interested in expanding the canon. It's more about bringing people back in, and that, it's great for that. But what, like, I think Johnson is taking. We'll, we'll go. We'll get to the last Jedi. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah. So, and uh, and going back to what you said about how they they may have overestimated the hate for the prequels. I think it's it's that, and also realizing who is the future. Like the, the future of this fandom, obviously, not to be more morbid, but the, as the generations grow up, those who grew up with the prequels love them. And while they are definitely, they've been very honoring of the old fans, no matter what they say, they gave a solo for God's sake. But you know, they ha- while they have been honoring of the old fans, I think they realize that they, they half of their fandom and the kids, the people that Lucas, for better or worse, made Star Wars for, likes the prequel so it's it's more than just you know under overestimating the hate it's it's about you know looking at the future and what everyone from ne- from now from you know everyone who's born after 1990 or even previous to that for them the prequels is just as much star wars as anything else so it has to be so you have to reckon with that as you uh you you know it would be and <laughs> that's a, i guess rather because i'm rather arrogant but it's it's much uh better to make the new fans happy than the old because the new fans are the ones who are you know going to be buying a lot longer <laughs> and, and raising the next generation of fans yeah. um so yeah i, I think I, that's a crazy long tangent i wasn't even intended to go there but that's yeah, and i think the, the clone wars has its own special place in changing that 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 the, the mind minds there because i can't count the amount of times i've heard people say like i did not like anakin skywalker i did not care about the prequels at all but now seeing the Clone Wars helps me understand what Lucas was going for. And now when I watch Revenge of the Sith, I love Anakin. And I've heard that many times over. And I ne- well, I never had a problem with Anakin and the Revenge of the Sith. I can definitely see that, see why people would say that. Yeah, and I mean, I think proof of that is I, I haven't looked at your notes in the show. And I was going to say pretty much the same thing verbatim, where I, I know personally people who who've come around not even on just on revenge of the sith but on the idea of the prequels as a whole when you really point out that so many of the so many of the ideas of the prequels are elaborated on in the clone wars and they watch the clone wars and love the clone wars and then go and look at the prequels in a new light this show really has not just brought fans to itself like it's not just created clone wars fans it has actually like created prequel fans in general um it's the same strengths that we had with the you know the Return of the Jedi and um and Empire Strikes Back is that we have Lucas's vision filtered through someone that is more human than him. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that fans just love uniting around Dave Filoni. I, that the guy lives and breathes Star Wars. Um, yeah, this is again. I feel like we're allowing for a lot of tangents, but I what I love about this show. It just Star Wars is in general, and it's why I feel bad for people who are, you know, original trilogy purists and don't view the prequels as canon, or you know, are George Lucas onlyists and don't view the Disney era as canon. It's just, when you look at this story from the prequels and you know the flaws of the Order and the creation of the empire and then the like and everything that is elaborated on in in the clone wars and then you move into rebels and you see the creation of the rebellion and how, like all the outworkings of that and you get into the original trilogy and the finality it brings to the to the prequels in terms of bringing down that order and then you get into the new era 
of, of the sequel trilogy and hopefully what nine will do you know restoring the the jedi order to an incorrupt state it is one story you know and yes we're going to have some continuity errors that i have an issue with you know with some of the things the prequel the uh, prequels do but as a whole this is you know i don't care what anybody says this from from episode one and all the shows all the way to episode eight this is a very cohesive story and i i'm loving every bit of it and i can't wait to see the numerous new stories they have to tell um i guess a couple of things that you mentioned just since we're talking about legacy, I think this series was hurt a lot by the decision to uh, to release the movie as a movie, um, because you're just as many people as I've heard say so they they come to love Anakin for the show. I've heard people who just who say who haven't who won't even watch the show because they saw that movie and how and how bad it was. Um, and even more than that, and what you hurt even more than that, or maybe not more than that, but just just as much was having to put that movie out forced them to air a lot of episodes out of order which created a really bad trend for the series was now that even if you you bite the bullet and and go into it it's it's still very it's rather jarring experience as you you see episodes out of order it's it's there's no real flow in in season one because of that decision to take out five episodes well but i think it's it's the worst once once you get into it you can muscle your three through it but for season one, particularly, just those first ten episodes, trying to get into it, it's difficult. And I, it was for me when I when I I watched the movie and I had no interest in the show for years. And finally, I got talked into it, and I watched about you know seven or eight episodes, and I kind of bogged down just because there, there was no continuity. There was there was nothing grabbing me to keep me going, coming back every episode. And it took until not until like Rebels was nearly finished that I finally decided to go back and watch through it. And then obviously, I am what I am now. But I think the decision to 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 release that movie was the worst thing they could have done. And it really hurt, and it hurt that series and still does. You know, to this day, I do see, I see people who just aren't interested in the TV show because of that movie. And I think, I think just the, the, you know, the, the last 10 years of consistent praise is, is winning over people. And I'm, you know, I see people here and there who are, you know, they finally watched the series and they love it. And like, I, I don't, I, I know a very few people who've seen this entire series and don't love it. Like there's a couple people like that, but overall, Basically, everyone who sees this show loves it, but it's it's kind of the thing of getting people to watch that show after that the bad reputation that it had. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a double edged sword. I think I, I agree. Is I think it, it was mostly um, it may mostly hurt it. I think on the other hand, it did maybe bring a certain love, like it brought a spotlight to the show that maybe would have been there. But I guess the the positive effects of that are more immediate than long term. You know, the problems it caused are long term where sure they know the show exists but they're not gonna ye- for years they're not gonna watch it because that's that's what they saw whereas you know it you know uh, with seeing the movie you know, like oh, okay so this is like the pilot for this new show I heard like the movie almost was just this huge advertisement for the show so I, I think it, it shone the spotlight more on the show but like I said that's kind of it that immediate for everybody living in the moment <laughs> An advertisement for the weaker elements of the show, sadly. And some of the positives, but yeah, the, the weaker ones are what stuck with people, unfortunately. I'm so, I'm so happy that this wasn't the sad, depressing, angry episode it would have been, you know, five days ago. Now it's this ends with hope and hope for the future of 
you know, what the Clone Wars be. And again, something like this, this this, this vote of confidence in, from Disney into the Clone Wars is going to bring even more fans to the series. And that that's just awesome. So, yeah, the future is bright. All right. Uh, so that's, I think that's about it. This was, you know, this is just a bonus episode. I think I'm going to pro- try and edit this as fast as I can and release it as, as soon as it's out just to keep it topical. This is just done rather than waiting a week. So there will, whatever it is, there's, if I release this, um, a few days after the, the uh, season six episode, there's going to be about a week and a half till the next episode, which will be uh, Revenge of the Sith, which I have never seen Revenge of the Sith directly after watching through the Clone Wars. So uh, you and my brother Anakin is going to absolutely destroy me. I, I, I know it already. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm going to keep myself from another tangent, but you know, <laughs> I, I didn't need to be one over on the prequels because I already loved them, but this enriches them for someone like me who already loves the prequels where it's revenge of the sith to me is an objectively stronger film in my eyes now and that's the great thing about these uh, multi-layered series is that when when it's done right every new chapter enriches the ones that came before it and you could say that's cheating and maybe it is but i don't care because like and you see this with the mcu as as they as they grow they can you know change how you view the past ones and give it a po- a positive spin. And that's what that's what that's what all that's what good prequels and sequels do. They make what came before it better, and this is an example of it done right. That exhaust port in the Death Star is not a plot hole any longer. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, so, uh, if you guys enjoy the show, I'd ask you to please go to iTunes and take a moment to give us a rating and review, please five stars. Um. And if you want to follow us, you can like us on Facebook. We are there as Franchise Fatigue Podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are there as at Franchised Pod. And if you want to find our other episodes, you can go to FranchiseFatiguePodcast.com. And where can people follow you, James? Uh, so you can find some of uh, what I've written in the past at uh, ArticleAsylum.wordpress.com. It's me and several friends who just got together. and It kind of started as, as just like what was unofficially just a, our way of being dceu apologists <laughs> um, but we've expanded you know far beyond that now and we're primarily just an entertainment site um putting out some articles fairly consistently um so yeah I, i've written several series over there uh as for where you can find me outside of that um i'm on letterbox there is jl hamry j-l-h-a-m-r-i um going through the mission impossible series and in anticipation for fallout writing not full reviews but you know just a couple paragraphs of my thoughts that go through there and i i also just now watched uh somehow have just now seen rocky one through three for the first time in my entire life and i'm continuing through that series actually becoming one of my favorite movie series ever now uh they're really great i am ashamed to say i haven't seen those yet but you're uh, you're uh enthusiasm is inspiring me to go to go watch him soon and i'm also on letterboxd and there's gabriel green and i'm also going through the uh, mission impossible series um could probably watch a uh, rotation tonight right. and i'm also on twitter as gabe a green and uh, next week we'll be back with uh, some long-awaited justice against the jedi yay <laughs> so until next week we will see you in the last prequel this is the happiest day of my life.